Welcome to the All 7 Days Podcast. This is Stan Fields. That is... Trevor Montgomery. And we are surrounded by a whole host of people. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a little bit. Uh, you have tuned in because... I don't know why you've tuned in. But we uh, what we do here is we get questions in from folks. We answer them. And sometimes we do something different. Today is something completely different. And now for something for completely different. Uh, Trevor, you've been smoking some meat recently, haven't you? <laughs> Sounds so bad. Yes. <laughs> I spent all day smoking a Boston butt. Oh, and it turned out, it looked like it turned out it pretty great. good. Yeah. The best I've ever done. Yeah? Yeah. So, okay, so give everybody the recipe for smoking a Boston butt to make it the best you've ever had. I don't know what it was. Just did it the Come same on. way I normally do. Just turned out a little bit different. I don't know. Yeah. Longer cook, slower yeah, cook? Yeah, it was a little bit longer. Put it on about 8, took it off about 5 o'clock. So uh, wrapped it in foil, so maybe that did something to it. Okay. Uh, I know we have uh, we have some folks in the studio with us uh, today, and I know Brian, uh, I'll introduce everybody in a minute, but Brian, you've had some experience with, with smoking some butts for baseball, raising money for baseball. What was the secret for those Boston butts? Because those were delicious. Yeah, so the secret there was uh, to actually leave it on the smoker. We typically left them on there for 12 or 13 hours uh, all through the night. So smoking those things, low heat, 250 degrees, and just let it smoke all night long. Awesome. And they were oh, so good. I hated when your son stopped playing baseball. <laughs> uh, so maybe the golf team with your younger son will start smoking butts. <laughs> for baseball or for golf for golf that would be awesome uh so uh what we do here uh like i said is we answer questions so send them in to at ask at all seven days.com or voicemail and text at 864-660-9473 look for us at all seven days.com support us at all seven days.com slash shop and i'm going to see how many more times i can say all seven days.com before i pass out i think i can got three more you can me. do that you can also support us at all7days.com slash donate. Uh, we've got a lot of things coming up. Um, we're looking at doing some daily uh, devotional podcasts, uh, some other things we want to get in the works. So help us out with that. Pay for some server time, pay for some websites, hosting, and all that kind of good stuff. You help us out, we will make your coffee taste better with mugs. Guaranteed. Is anybody here? Had coffee out of our mugs. Yes, it's fabulous. It is. See, see, there we go. <laughs> All right, put we're dirt g- through a filter. And <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be great. Yes. It'll be great. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll introduce our guests in the studio. This is the All Seven Days podcast. Hey, pastors and church administrators, listen to this. All Seven Days is proud to be partnered with Faith Teams. Faith Teams is a web-based church management software with all the features your church needs and priced so that any church can afford it. It's packed with features including attendance tracking, kids check-in, volunteer scheduling, automated guest follow-up, contributions, online giving and text to give, built-in email and text messaging tools, and a whole lot more. Best of all, it's all in one single system at a price that makes sense. They have a free 14-day trial so you can try the entire system before you pay a dime. Keep it in pages $40 a month. That's right, $40 a month for every available feature. Go to all7days.com slash faithteams to learn more and use the links provided for your free 14-day trial. When you sign up, tell them All 7 Days sent you. Faith Teams, 
the easy and affordable church management software. If you've been wondering where the opening and closing music for the All 7 Days podcast came from, that was all made possible by Westminster Effects. Westminster Effects exists to equip the church musician while highlighting the richness of church history. Explore the smoke-filled ambience of the Spurgeon Hall reverb. Add some meat, or sausage, to your tone with a Zwigly SDD3K, and make every note the raunchiest of solos with the Osteen distortion. Visit WestminsterEffects.com for hand-wired theology sound guitar effects made in South Carolina. Welcome back to the All 7 Days Podcast. This is Stan, that's Trevor, and we are surrounded by some very dear friends of mine. Uh, we're doing another episode today on small groups. And uh, in the studio today, we have uh, what consists of, the remnants of, uh, a couples and coffee small group that uh, Pam and I hosted in our house. And uh, around the room, we have Brian and Lisa Davis. Say hey, Brian. Hey, Brian. Say hey, Lisa. Hey, Lisa. See, this is the way this works. You guys are on point because when I had the ladies group in earlier, they did the same thing. We also have uh, Scott and Macy Burroughs. Say hey, Scott. Hey, Scott. And say hey, Macy. Hey. Do I have to say Macy? Hey, Macy. You just did. You just did. (laughs) And, of course, my wife, Pam Fields. Hey, honey. Oh. Are you talking to me or our listening audience? I thought she she looked at me when she said that. She did. (laughs) She did. So, uh, so we're we're talking small groups today, and this is a, just another example of of a small group and how they can form, and what happens when they do form and form in a great way. So, uh, Trevor, I'm going to let you uh, run the interview process if you're up for that, because I was part of this small group, oh, and so you're get I could on. I could actually be interviewed there for this is. as well. So. So kick it off, and uh, let's go from there. All right. I'm going to read some of your questions, if that's sure. all right. Sure. Sure. I'll just start from the top. <laughs> We're just going to go. Anybody wants to answer this. All right. Um, how did your group form? Was it something that the church put on, or is it something that you guys came together and decided to uh, form on your own? Lisa, you want to answer that? <laughs> Pam forced us into it. <laughs> that is so true, actually. <laughs> It is sort of true, isn't it? Well, let me take that answer. (laughs) Um, We did sign up to do a small group at our church, which we do semester groups. And um, we were pretty new at the church. We'd only been there uh, about eight or nine months. And so we didn't really know a whole lot, but we'd met both of these couples. And we knew we wanted to get to know them both better. So because of that, um, I intentionally asked. And then I intentionally hounded Lisa <laughs> because she wasn't really on board with it. But Brian was. And I and so I just kept thinking, well, if I keep asking her, she's going to come because I knew I wanted to know her better. Right. And Macy and Scott were on board pretty quickly. And, um, and then we did open it up to the church so that then some other few other couples came. Mm-hmm. But these were the ones that stuck. So did you find that there was a need for couples to meet? Or was this just to form a small group so you could get to know other people? I think it was both. Both. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think um, at that time we were our church was newer, getting started in groups, and there wasn't there was a lot of men's groups and a lot of women's groups, a lot of teens groups, but there wasn't anything focused on couples, mm-hmm. and so that's why we. There was a there was a kind of a shift happening at our church as what groups really were at the time. 
uh, it, traditionally they basically thought of classes as small groups and uh, so um, there was a there was a shift in making them more relational mm -hmm. and we had come from South Carolina and had some pretty good experience with that so uh, we volunteered to, to start this group and uh, so that's kind of how it got got started so we signed up for that just did couples and coffee and it was kind of weird because when we first got started we had single college guys and one. we had one and then we had he a girl who was around. interested in oh. him start coming to the group <laughs> and so he left because <laughs> he was not interested but uh anyway it was it was uh we had a we had quite the quite the plethora of people here for a while okay so you formed this group what was the focus of the group what what was your besides drinking coffee and being a couple what was the focus or intent for y'all to get together? You like how I used y'all? I'm from Florida. And I st what was y'all's going <laughs> to Why'd y'all meet? What was the point or what was the focus of the group? You want to grab that? The first time I had Pam's cookies, <laughs> that quickly became my reason for showing up. I'm kidding. But, but that was, yeah, uh, that did not answer the question. But Pam's cookies is a large reason why. Um, I would say the focus of the group was uh, relationships mm -hmm. um, and building relationships with other couples, married couples that were in different stages of life than you. I think that was what was important to us because we um, were the youngest married couple in the group and uh, we had small kids and then Brian and Lisa um, are a little bit older than us. They had teenage kids at the time, and then um, Pam and Sam have adult children our age. And um, so just that mentorship level uh, was what made us stick around, mm -hmm. um, what made us come back week after week. So it was a really a relational-based uh, group and no really focus other than that. Yeah, we, we intentionally set up for no agenda. I mean, there okay. we... we we did our first meeting we did i did lay some ground rules and my ground rules for small group is rule number one is what happens in small group stays in small group rule number two is what happens in small group stays in small group and rule number three when in doubt about rule number one seeing rule number two <laughs> um and and that's really the only thing we had we we did uh end each group in prayer mm -hmm. i think we did that every time right because yeah. uh, we would have not done properly had we not but uh, we just wanted to get to know each other. So that's what the main focus of the group. And how long ago did you say that you formed this group? Did this start? Um, it'll be five years. Five years. Mm -hmm. this, in a couple months. Can Can I chime in right here? Definitely. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this this way because there may be another mid thirty year old husband and father out there listening to this podcast. The reason why. I wanted and and continued to come to this uh, small group is because a few years prior to the small group uh, beginning, uh, my dad passed away, and that was a huge loss, void in my life. And I and he was also he was always like the perfect, almost perfect mentor to me. And so it was very important for me to surround myself with guys such as Stan, Brian, two very solid guys that could speak life and leadership into my life that was important gotcha. yeah so this formed five years ago 
we had basic ground rules, not so much of a focus. How has that changed to today? Has it changed? Are you still, uh, is the focus more about relationships with each other and through Christ? Or um, just go into detail about how it's changed over the years. Yeah, I would really say that currently what we have is a, is really a tight friendship among us couples that has come from that original small group. Mm -hmm. And that's what you see happen in small groups. That's uh, really the most effective model that you see in churches whenever you're creating small groups. The concept is to create these environments where people can connect um, and then eventually close relationships happen, which is what we all need. Mm -hmm. We all need close relationships, which is the greatest way to find and continue to experience freedom in this world where there will be constant challenges, seasons of challenges, ups and downs, and we're created to help somebody else and receive help from somebody else. We're created to do life with people. So when you rewind five years ago, it started out actually, and we talk about this a lot, it actually started out, Trevor, with uh, not only us three couples, but it started out as uh, I believe seven couples, if I remember right. And so if you can imagine, there were 14 people in the room, not just six, and it started that very same way in the first couple of weeks or the first few weeks. What happens is you get to know people, you get to know each other, and the hope is that you're going to find some people that you really click with. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we don't like, <laughs> we don't like the other couples that were there, um, but what will happen is you naturally click with some people. If you're in a men's group that where there's 15 people in there, what you'll see is there's a natural connection between some of them, and it starts sideline conversations. They start going out to eat together. They start texting each other. or And that's what happened in, in this group is that us three couples just really clicked with each other. It wasn't necessarily that we were at the same season of life, but we just believe that God connects some people. And you have to take the step and get out into those connections before you're going to find those close relationships. And thankfully, I would just chime in to, and tag on to what Scott said a minute ago, is that there's just such power in those relationships and, and how that you develop relationships. And so what's happened now, um, going back to your question, how's that changed from the way that it was? I would say that really what we're experiencing in our life is close relationships that came from a small group five years ago. And that, that small group actually meeting regularly went on for, I would say, a couple years. Right. But what's happened beyond that is is really what the whole goal is, right. which is creating really close relationships with somebody that you can call when um, – when crisis hits or when victory comes or somebody that you can answer the call when crisis comes mm -hmm. or when victory happens. Right. I'd, add, I'd add to that as well. The other thing that's come out of that is not only the relationships, but is tremendous amount of ministry that we, that the three couples in this room have done together uh, through um, our class at, at church discover crossroads which i think we've talked about on the podcast as well and we're not all still doing that and that's and that's okay because there's other ministries that that uh, that you guys have broken out into um but that all of that ministry still continues and 
including the push for other people to experience what we've experienced through this. So that's what I'd add to that. Gotcha. Uh, I'm just going to throw this one out. Uh, you talked about you form these great relationships, but how has this group grown your faith? Hmm. We have seen some crazy, miraculous things happen that there is no way that it could have happened without um, – a, God, B, the support of our fellow Christians and, and brothers and sisters in Christ. There's no way we could have gotten through that. Scott and I personally have, um, I mean, we, we changed jobs. This group prayed those jobs into existence. They weren't there. <laughs> like, they were literally not open. Like, there was no open positions at those companies. This group prayed those jobs into existence because we needed change. And... Then when crisis hit our marriage, this group helped walk us through the healing process. And that's what, that's, that's the difference. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would, all, as far as growing faith, I would tie in some maturity to that answer. Yeah. Um, you know, this group has really helped us. You know, when you're in your 20s, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're getting married, you're doing all the things that you're doing in your 20s. And you're a very inexperienced young adult. Well, when you get when you make it to your thirties, of course you're in a little bit different season of life, and that's kind of when you start to develop some some serious maturity, you know. And uh, um, I guess what I would say is, this group has done a really good job of teaching us, us being me and Macy. Um, that you know, social media, the world, every everybody outside of of the world in general is going to try and convince you that everybody else has it figured out. You know, you look on social media, you look, you know, when you see people out in town, you always see smiling faces, the generic cliche, hey, hey man, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. But are you really good? Was he really good? You know, this group has really taught us how to cling on to our faith mm -hmm. and use that to, to understand that life isn't always going to be perfect. Life is going to happen. You're going to have peaks and valleys and everywhere in between. Um, and I guess the big thing is this group has taught us that n nobody has life figured out right. and nobody can do life alone. Mm -hmm. Like what Brian said, we're very relational creatures by the way that we are designed. Um, and once you can kind of wrap your head around that, you know that it, there's a lot of maturity and growth there, even in your faith walk with Christ is you learning and beginning to understand that my confidence and my self-worth and my self-identity isn't found in me or other people's opinion of me it's found in and through Christ right. and that's what this group as far as growing my faith has taught me and let's yeah. pass a plate that was good <laughs> yeah <laughs> amen so I want to I wrote this question down and so you have this tight-knit group of people that you go to church with. But you don't see these people every day. And there's people that you go to work with every day just about. Mm -hmm. And so the relationship there is a little bit different. So being in this group and being close with this group for five years, how has that changed your relationships with other people? Like how do you um, – like if Stan and I have grown, grown close over the year, a couple of years now that we've been together mm – -hmm. Um, I would handle a situation with Stan a whole lot differently than I would with somebody at work. 
how do you see this group affecting your personal relationships outside of the group? I, I, I probably have more, well, I don't know, you guys in sales, you see lots of people, but you don't see them all day. Uh, and uh, Brian and Lisa work for each other. So, yeah, as Brian works for her, he says. Lisa, Lisa so. just quit, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so they may have a different answer than me. Pam, is uh, uh, she works for me. She stays at home <laughs> and uh, runs my vacuum cleaner because it doesn't fit my hand. <laughs> but uh, but I, I actually do go into an office, and I, and I do sit with people all day long. Um, it, and it's, but it's still different, right? Mm -hmm. It's there while they're, while they're acquaintances and they are friends, they don't have the same deepness of relationship that I have with these people. And, but that, and that too sounds strange because I spend more time in the room with them than I do with these folks. Um, but, uh, but still there's another, there's another agenda, I guess, that's in the way of deeper conversations and deeper relationships um having said that it does make you um more aware of the spiritual issues and connotations of things that are happening in the office mm -hmm. so um so anyway there's there's a there's just a um more more intentionality, I think, when you go into the office, coming from relationships like the ones that are here in this room, um, because we've learned intentionality with each other, right. and I think that's the that's what brings more of it to your other relationships. So you learn to you learn to um, read each other's body language, facial expressions, um, because you know them so well. And when they do come in the room and you say, are you okay? And they say, fine, and you know better. Uh, so that does carry over to relationships you have outside of this group. Um, so the people you spend time with the most is, are the people you can be most intentional with through that experience and learning how to read those. Mm -hmm. uh, has, it's kind of a discerning thing that you learn. It's a, it's a learned discernment. I'll believe it like that. I think the thing that distinguishes this group, though, from those other relationships is that our, we have all the same foundation. Right. And so because we're um, all believers, um, we have, even though not saying that everything's perfect, we have not had a perfect group. It, all of us have, you know, gone through different things, good things, bad things, whatever, but we're foundationally have that same foundation in Christ. Mm -hmm. And that changes a dynamic than having a casual relationship. And that's given, and then because of that, we built on that, like he talked about. And so there's a trust level with these people that we have that we don't have with other people. Right. Very true. Anybody else? I may would tag on to uh, kind of what Sam was saying. Um, when I come in contact with people, I feel like the things I've learned, and as Scott was saying a minute ago, the maturity level and the growing in my faith, learned from some more mature Christians in this group, um, it has given me more of a confidence mm -hmm. to feel comfortable having that conversation with a coworker or someone that I come in contact with, and just kind of sharing 
a little bit about what small group has done in my life and my family um for my kids i mean my kids think pam and son are their grandparents mm-hmm. <laughs> and that i mean for real so that's how close we've grown and i the passion that i have for small groups originates here um and i am very uh, aggressive i guess about sharing that with other people so that they can have that and do you think that passion you you see what it's done for you and your relationship with your husband and maybe it's you just want those people to be like okay now i see what it can do for me i've seen that absolutely before too so stan used to uh no brian used to in discover and you still may brian um but in discover crossroads he would always say it's really hard when something when life happens good or bad if you haven't been relational, if you've been a hermit, if you you know if you if you haven't surrounded yourself with like-minded people, it's really difficult to run over to somebody and be like, "Hey, man, so I've got a big problem. I need you to be my best friend." Mm-hmm. That's not the way it works. Right. So if you don't have time invested, if you don't, you know, if you don't have the equity there uh, with other people, it's going to be hard for them to genuinely lock in and engage with you when they barely even know you. You know, so I mean, it's uh, it's, it's important. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, so I had, I just want some tips because Stan and I uh, do a small group for uh, teenage boys. Right. And so our groups have fluctuated, you know, in size, kids coming and going. And we have a our, our regular group like you guys where you're already kind of bonded together mm-hmm. and you're able to share things with each other. And I'm trying to think of like an outsider that's coming in for the first time because I I was there and we were all there. You're that outsider. You've already taken that big step. You know, I'm going to join a small group. Now, I don't know if I want to share. What would you offer as far as advice for anybody leading a small group to reach out to that person? How do you make them feel comfortable enough to start to form those relationships? Let's just go around the room and answer <laughs> yeah. this one. Yeah, well, I can start it out, and I would just I would say that um, as a as a leader of a small group, or as a as a co leader, someone who's taken that role, uh, who has that heart, uh, I think the most successful small groups are a safe place, whether they're ready to share or not ready to share, and I think that that's important. Uh, so, um, I actually this past in. Macy, or I think Pam a minute ago mentioned that at our church we do what's called semester-based small groups. And so for those of you that don't know what exactly that is, uh, we have a list of groups that meet for three months, uh, kind of three months at a time, and different churches have different calendars for this. But essentially you're going to meet for three months, and then you take a month off, and then you start up another list of groups. And so this past semester uh, I was leading – uh, a men's group with with somebody else and we had uh 15 or 20 men in the room at, at the same time and so you know you can imagine a group of men sometimes they're uh very very hard to, mm-hmm. to to start to open up and we just made it clear on day one trevor that uh kind of like stan said we laid some quote unquote ground rules and one of those was that listen guys this is a safe place and to the best of our ability we're going to keep 
everything that is said in here in here and and so it's a safe place for any of you that want to open up but i thought it was equally important to say for those of you that don't want to open up and you just want to sit to the side and listen and you're just maybe creeping into this and you're nervous about it that's just fine you can sit over here and just listen and learn to the conversation and uh you know it was a different type of group that group was had a little more content so we started off talking in this conversation this was a couples and coffee small group and it was very relational it was conversations about anything you can imagine and and some really funny ones and some quirky ones and so this men's group that i just mentioned was um was a little more content driven it was conversational and it was relational but it was a little more content driven and so we just see all kinds of different small groups from soccer groups to you know men's lunch groups to ladies uh, book study groups to just just like this like a couples and coffee group so all different types but i think that people have to feel confident that they can come in it's a big step just to come mm -hmm. it's a big step just to to get into the room and so we just have to i believe understand that people are going to push into that at different speeds and we have to honor that but at the same time continually let them know that this is a safe place and what we see what we saw now i'll use this men's group for example uh, because i think that that's probably the hardest one to get people to open up but we spent uh, this past semester was 13 weeks long and we seen at the end of, near the end of that semester more and more conversation and i believe that a lot of that was due to that they had been watching how um how that it truly was safe to speak up right. and if their opinion was different that they weren't going to be called out on it if right. they you know if they had and and that's another thing and stan you you got and scott you guys are masters at this that if you ever have somebody speak up you got to understand your goal is not to correct everybody your goal is not to make people see like you see the goal is to have conversation and generate relationships mm -hmm. And so somebody may be very new to their faith and they may speak up and say something just off the wall. Or somebody may not believe the same way exactly that you do. And they may speak up and have a different of, difference of opinion. And I just think that just making them feel safe and making your group a safe place is, is, the, best, is the best antidote to getting people to participate and open up. Gotcha. Um, I lead a teenage girls small group mm -hmm. and I have had the same girls for three years so I have experienced newbies um, often mm -hmm. um, and teenage girls are very difficult to get to talk as well um, because they're extremely emotional creatures <laughs> so um, yeah they're they're a little weird at that age but when they come in it's just an inviting situation we all have conversation and in my small groups they all talk mm -hmm. it's literally i don't care if you say one word it this works for kids and if you don't i don't care if you say one word say one word we're going around the room and if you don't want to talk say skip right. whatever move on if you're not comfortable yet but as those other people start to share they say oh well somebody else might have the same problem as me so then they feel comfortable enough to speak up in those situations and so i think that's key and you're also giving them that chance not okay it's open discussion 
Sally over here talks for 15 minutes and you only have 16 minutes of a group. So, you know, you're giving that new person a chance every single time. Every single time. And that's also how I do the time management with the kids, too, is I'm like, all right, rapid fire. Boom, 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 that's boom, it. boom. <laughs> yeah. And because it's hard to control girls, too, because yeah. they talk a, a lot. teenagers in general. And, well, yeah. girls yes. tend to get chatty, and I typically have about two or three that are. And so I just, all right, rapid fire girls, we're going to go around the room, and if they don't want to say it, they just say skip yeah, and like goes it. to the next person and it just makes them feel more comfortable i think i think one other aspect that helps uh when you folks to groups be more open is if the leader sets an example of being open himself mm-hmm. that's right um there's this this can't be a one-way street because the leader of the group is there for that as well mm-hmm. he's there for those relationships and he's there uh for his own issues right uh, he's not just leading a group just to be in front of people, right? I mean, if you if you if you want to lead a group for that, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. Right. And uh, the ability to be open and honest with your own past as you lead a group shows others that it is safe, mm-hmm. that that you can talk about whatever's going on. And uh, so I think that's that's a very very important part yeah. for a leader to bring into a group. Something that just came to mind was uh, when we were new to Church of the, of the Crossroads, although we, our previous church, just like Stan and Pam, we were familiar with small groups, we had still not, when we arrived in Corinth, learned that we were still trying to figure out, we were trying to base our, prior to this small group, we were still trying to base our decision off of which small group to join based off of the topic. So, you know, you're going to have a million different small groups, coffee, small group, dessert, small group, golf, small group, motorcycle, small group. You're going to have, you know, marriage, small groups, and so on and so forth. The, the, the options are endless. Something to keep in mind is although you may go to a marriage small group, you may go to a intimacy small group, you know, whatever, Although the, the content may be good and beneficial and helpful, don't find yourself in a paralysis by analysis type, type state because just remember that although you will benefit from and grow from the content, that's still not why small groups are there. Right. Small groups are there to link together. Mm-hmm. Link arms, do life together. Right. So... It's not a therapy session like, hey, this semester I'm going to get better at uh, self-confidence and then I'm going to move over to this group. So it's more relational. That's right. Exactly. I like that. All right. Yeah. Hey, Trevor, yes, I, would say, I would say that it's, that it's both. Mm-hmm. It yeah. provides both. It would be the discipleship and pastoring arm of our church. So there's a there's definitely a part of it where you can grow. Right. There's definitely and, – and if you – some groups are more Bible study driven or more book study driven or more content heavy or more about financial, you know, learning how to do your finances or so definitely that. But I love Scott's point. The, the key, the big driver is that you're developing relationships with people. Right. Pam? And tell, kind of tell Andon on that. Um, and because of Macy and Scott already talked about a crisis they went through, but when we had Stan's health crisis, um, Brian and Lisa were the first person at the hospital. Mm-hmm. We called family. We called Eric. We let people know. I mean, we let this group know. 
um, we let our family know, we let you know, you know, but, but at, I think it was 5.30, Brian and Lisa came in. I mean, you know, we, were, we weren't expecting that at all. Right. But at the hospital, through the surgery, through coming home, it was these people right here. And then my small group that was with me a few weeks ago when y'all interviewed, it was this these two core groups of people who took care of us. Mm-hmm. Basically um, had a small church service in the waiting room. Yeah. I mean, and, um, and every step of the way, you know, we were hearing from and, and having visits from these two couples every single time. But after we got home, checking in with us, you know, and all of that. And so um, that we never felt isolated mm-hmm. in right. something that was really serious, you mm-hmm. know. And that's, um, that is what small group is about, right. you know. And, and we've also celebrated very exciting things together yeah. throughout, you know, this uh, five years together. So then that's, that's part of it. That's true. Lisa, do you have anything you want to? contribute to the <laughs> I think that pretty well covers it. All right. All right. Cool. Well, she can be the first one to answer this one then. <laughs> um, any personal stories to share that would demonstrate how God has used this group in your lives? Yeah, I think we we've already shared uh numerous, some, yeah. So, several uh the the folks just the tremendous support that we had when when I got my diagnosis, the continued support we get as I go through treatment and as Pam battles her health issues. Um, and it's just, I mean, uh, I'll just look around the room here. I just love you guys so much and, uh, really appreciate all of you and, and the, and the ties that we have that will never, ever be broken. It's just an incredible thing to have in your life. Thank you. Thanks for coming and being on this, on yeah. this podcast. Anybody else? I think for, for Lisa and I, we, uh, at a at a period in our life where we were, and again, you have to, this is a unique group right here. Um, and I would say even outside this group, there's some, there's other relationships that we've made in other small groups. Um, but you, so for this particular group, it's just a really unique bond that happened because we, when you rewind six years ago, none of the six of us even lived in the same state none of us even lived here or seven years ago i guess but then then all of us kind of convened or converged together and ended up serving together at church ended up in group together and just that click happened for lisa and i was at a place where we're transitioning to a new city into a new church our boys are just coming into this teenage season where uh, if any of you that are listening, you have teenage kids, you know how, what a struggle that is. But we had, and Stan and Pam are um, a, a decade ahead of us. And it's just that you can bounce questions off and, and travel through challenging situations. And so even if it's not a, like Stan's talking about this big, big moment, but I would say e- maybe equally as powerful as the every week and right. every day moments that you get to shoot a text over to somebody and say, "Hey, this is what's what's happening. Uh, pray for pray for Avery today. He's doing this. He's thinking about what to do in college." To have those conversations, and um, you know, when I think about uh, really where we get where we get courage from is from the people that we're walking with that's where your courage comes from as a as a human 
It's not in how much knowledge you have or how many angles you've figured out, but it's who you walk with. That's where courage comes from. And so whenever you're making big decisions, whenever you're traveling through a tricky spot in life um, that could intimidate you by yourself, just knowing that you're traveling with some people that are going to help you out, that are going to talk it out with you is really, really powerful. True. Are you out of questions, Trevor? Yeah. Okay. That was good. At this point in time in the show, Lisa will now sing God Bless America. <laughs> Everybody stand. And move your cap. Please. <laughs> Everybody but Lisa is standing. <laughs> the magic of radio. That's true. All right. Well, thanks, guys, again, for coming in and doing this, and uh, especially. Uh, uh, on an evening where you could have been doing anything else. Uh, I really appreciate you guys coming in and uh, spending this time with us. Uh, this is the All 7 Days podcast, and we appreciate you listening. Remember to uh, support the podcast, all7days.com slash shop and slash donate. If you're listening on Apple, uh, leave us a five-star review as preferred. If you can't quite bring yourself to bring it, give us a five-star review, uh, four and a half will do. Yes. That would be good. And uh, and also, uh, what else is coming up? Next week, we will be talking about a very important topic, final preparations. Final preparations. In other words, what would you do if you knew it was time? If you knew it was time. So, uh, yeah, that will be a great... <laughs> <laughs> Woo, but that'll be a that'll be a barn burner won't it uh awesome we play some like organ music in the background <laughs> yeah some funeral dirge yes. will be great yes we'll do that uh let others know about the podcast and uh as always this is the all seven days podcast where the goal is to make you think so highly of god that you forget about yourself now go give someone what you value most today <laughs> <laughs>